Well, Happy New Year. Hey, and with the beginning of a new year uh, comes our opportunity, uh, those of us in here who are uh, members of Hutto Bible Church, it's our opportunity to uh, vote to bring uh, some new elders on to our current elder uh, council. And so I'm going to have the ushers uh, pass out the ballots. If you are a, a member of our church, uh, gone through that membership process and been approved, then, then you can vote on this. Uh, just take it right now and just kind of hold on to it. I'm going to walk you through it. Uh, our elder candidates are uh, probably well known to you. Uh, it is uh, Tom Albers and Scott Purcell. Both uh, will be rejoining the elder board if they're approved, uh, really after distingu- distinguishing themselves by some really faithful service uh, since the last time they were on the board. They're both uh, small group leaders faithful disciplers, evangelists. Uh, Both these men have a huge heart uh, for global outreach, for missions, and we're blessed uh, to have them. And so on your uh, little ballot, all you would do is, first you say, I'm an adult member of Huddle Bible. You would check yes, and that yes would allow you to the next two votes. These guys aren't running against each other. Uh, The elders are presenting them to you uh, for both of them to be Pursue, uh, approved, and if approved, they'll be joining uh, Michael Hall, uh, Jonathan Spradley, Rob Gibson, and, my, and myself on the elder uh, board. So you can go ahead and vote for them, uh, make, or cast your vote, and then you can fold it. And if you're in the center section, just pull it out to the middle, and if you're on the outsides, move it to the inside, okay? So once you voted, you can do that, and we'll let you know the results of this uh, next week. We are an elder-led church. That means I'm not the Pope of Hutto Bible Church. Uh, we don't have a Pope. Uh, we have a plurality of elders uh, who only make the board if they're approved by you and if they meet the qualifications spelled out in uh, Titus and in First Timothy of what an elder is supposed to be. And so, uh, so with that said, uh, you can pass those in and we'll get started on our message. Hey, uh, we have often kicked off uh, the new year uh, by doing a sort of uh, survey of our spiritual progress, like literally a survey where you'd go through and check the boxes in like 2021, I was whatever, and you would check those boxes. There's nothing wrong with that. It kind of helps you see uh, how you're doing, how you did in the last year, but we're not doing that this year. Uh, nothing's wrong with it. We just thought uh, this year we would not do that. In fact, uh, I was encouraged by my pastor, uh, Pastor Michael Hall, uh, that a new year is a good time to actually forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead and press on toward the goal that Christ has saved me for. And so we're going to try to do just that in this message this morning. In fact, this morning, if you're here, this is all about starting fresh. And so you get an opportunity to start fresh this morning. Uh, One of our uh, members, our bass player, Aaron Paul, uh, put up his Facebook status on the 31st. I thought it was so good. I thought I would read it to you because it goes into this whole idea of starting fresh and forgetting what lies behind. He wrote, uh, I'm walking in the 2020 with a clear heart and mind. If you owe me, don't worry about it. You're welcome. If you've wronged me, 
it's all good. Lesson learned. If you're angry with me, you've won, I let it go. If you feel like I've wronged you, I'm sorry, and it, wasn't, it was not intentional. If you used me to get something, hope you enjoyed it. Life is too short for all the pent-up anger, holding of grudges, and extra stress or pain. Man, I thought that was so good. Like that should be the attitude as we go into 2022. Let's let go of the things that so easily encumber us and trip us up. And uh, to that end, I hope you read the email that I sent you, uh, the letter I sent out uh, this past week about how to start 2022 well uh, in our devotional life. In fact, in that I wrote these words. As we look to the new year, I think it's important for all of us to ask, what would God have me pursue in 2022? Now, in reality, we're all going to pursue something or someone. At the end of the year, all of our minutes and hours will be filled up with something. And so on behalf of the elders and staff of Hutto Bible Church, our hope is that your minutes and hours are marked by a pursuit of God. And so guys, in light of that, if you want a New Year's resolution, like if you're just a resolution kind of person, here's a good one. Pursue God. Like in 2022, pursue God. In fact, here's a good way to put it. I resolve to put the Word before the world. I resolve to put the world, I mean, put the Word before the world. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But to that end, in 2022, I'm challenging you as believers to commit to read the entire Bible this year. In fact, in the letter that I wrote, I told you about how to use the Version Bible app. I know a lot of you use that because I'll hear you when you open it during church and you hit the wrong button and play the audio. Don't do that now, but you know who you are. Uh, but if you don't have the Version Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to get that. It's excellent. And there are countless reading plans to choose from. And here's a few that I recommended. The first one was the Bible Recap. And in the email, if you haven't looked at it already, it has links to all of these. The Bible Recap is a chronological reading of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It takes a whole year. It has commentary with it. It's really excellent. My wife did it this past year. I encourage you to do that. Another one is the 90-day chronological. Uh, it is what it says it is. It's a 90-day reading of the entire Bible in a chronological fashion. That's a lot. Uh, my daughter-in-law is doing that this year, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Uh, the next one is the 30-day shred, and that's what it says it is. It's 30 days of basically not eating or sleeping, just reading the Bible. But you can do it. Like I, I have done it, and a number of the guys here in our church and some of the ladies have done this uh, for the past few years. In January, this is my fourth year. Uh, doing the shred in January, beginning in Genesis and ending in Revelation before the end of the month. Uh, that's a great way to get an overview of the whole Bible. You get to see the forest, though you miss some of the trees. And then there is the renewed mind plan. 
which is just a new name for this plan that we put together two years ago. And it's also a read-through of the entire Bible uh, from beginning to end that you can finish in, in one year. And so I encourage you to read one of those, get one of those. And in fact, I encourage you not to be immobilized by indecision. Like we have so many options today in our culture of so many different things that often we're just immobilized. We don't know what to choose. I don't want you to be in that trap. Even as you open your version app, I don't want you to be immobilized. It's okay. Just choose one of the four that I have shared. I think they would be excellent for you. But along with that, don't kick yourself when you're down. What I mean by that is you're going to mess up. You're going to miss some days. You're going to forget about it. You're going to be a week behind. It's okay. Don't give up. Don't just throw up your hands and say, well, you know, haven't had a quiet time in three days. I might as well never have a quiet time again. I mean, if you had that mindset with your marriage, you would be on your 10th marriage by now, right? So don't do that and don't kick yourself when you're down. Just dust yourself off and start back fresh. And and here is a challenge for you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've been a Christian for a few years, if you have not read through the whole Bible yet, repent. Repent. I mean, if you've been a believer for a few years and you haven't read the entire Bible, what have you been doing? Call it what it is. That's sin. Like we live in such a blessed time where you have at your fingertips the Word of God in your language, in multiple excellent translations that you can read or listen to. Why haven't you done that? And so let this be the year. If you have never done that, let this be the year. And in a world that is mandate crazy, here's a great mandate for you. If you only read one book this year, make it the Bible. If you only read one book this year, make it the Bible. And take these three steps. Read the Bible or listen to it. It's okay. It's not cheating to listen to the Bible. Uh, some of y'all are better auditory learners. Are you like the combination of re- hearing while following along? That's okay. But read the Bible, record your insights, and respond in obedience. And if you accomplish nothing else this year, if all of your other resolutions fall by the wayside, if you enter 2023 as fat as you are now, right? Because half of our resolutions are about getting in shape or losing weight. If you accomplish nothing else on your to-do list this year, but reading your Bible, you have taken a great step forward and you will be blessed as a result. If you're the kind of person who says, well, I've tried that and I just didn't get anything out of it. Like I've tried that. I've had the devotional, the quiet time, the spending time with God, and I just didn't get a lot out of it. Can I just encourage you start today and have 364 very average quiet times. And then we can sit down next January 1st and have a conversation about whether your life was changed. Because I've never had the quiet time to end all quiet times. Like I've never opened the Bible and afterwards I've just said, oh my goodness, that was so good. I'm done. Like I'm full. I'll never be hungry for spiritual food again. Of course not. I have had countless 
over the last 40 plus years, countless, very average, ordinary quiet times that all add up to life change, to transformation, and it will for you as well. And so with that in mind, this morning, I just want to speak briefly on how we can specifically and practically spend time with God. First, we need to explain what we mean by spending time with God. For many of you, that may just be church talk. What we mean by spending time with God is this. It's a consistent time of Scripture reading, prayer, and meditation on the Word. A consistent time of Scripture reading, prayer, and meditation on the Word. And the truth here is, guys, you become like those who you spend consistent and unguarded time with. I mean, isn't that true? You become like the people that you spend consistent, unguarded time with. Like my dad used to put it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you the future. Solomon puts it this way, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. We're told in the Psalms that the idolater who bows down to the stone that he's carved or the wood that he's made, the wood altar, that the idol he, he worships, he will become like. He becomes like what he worships, everyone who bows down to that. And so God, I, guys, I believe that it is in that consistent, unguarded time with God that we really begin to love God that we really begin to know Him as a person. That we begin to truly love His ways, His law, holiness, and hate the things that God hates, like sin. It's during that consistent, unguarded time with God that we begin to think differently. We begin to think like God. We have our minds and our hearts transformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We'll be coming back to that verse again and again in coming weeks as we kick off a new series next week. But guys, if you want your mind changed, your life changed, like the promise of Scripture is that it can happen as we meditate on the Word of God. And so, how do we do that? The first thing we need to do is prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts in a number of ways. The first thing we need to do to prepare our hearts is we need to be approaching God with reverence. Like when you open up your Bible to spend time with God, you need to approach Him with reverence. And by, when I think of reverence, I always think of ranking. Like I think of, okay, there's, there's God and I'm not here. Okay, it's not, it's not like God's the president and I'm the vice president. I'm not even on the cabinet, right? I didn't even get the run for office. I didn't make the primary. Like it's God and I'm down there somewhere under the dirt. So to revere God is to like understand that I am, when I open the Bible, I am actually about to meet with the maker of all things, the creator of the universe, like I'm about to meet with God and experience a relationship with Him and He enjoys my company. 
Like how many people do you work with or know or go to church with or in a small group with or even in your own family that when you walk away from them, you wonder, like, like what do they think of me? Like we don't have to wonder with God. God has spelled out so clearly in His Word that He delights in His children and He loves to spend time with them. And so we need to approach Him with reverence. James 4.8 says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we need to approach Him with reverence. This is no time to be flippant. No time to be silly. We need to, we need to do what, what Moses commanded the Israelites to do and consecrate ourselves. Guys, God's about to come down. God's about to speak. He's coming down the mountain. Consecrate yourselves this day as you meet with God. So approach Him with reverence and approach Him with expectancy. Like you need to realize not only are you meeting with the Creator of the universe, but that you were created for this very thing. Like before the fall, before sin, before the temptation by that serpent, like you were created to be in fellowship with God, to have a relationship with Him. And as a follower of Christ, as you open the Word, as you pray, you come with reverence, but you come with expectancy. You are about to meet with God. Like you should long for that. As you grow as a Christian, you'll realize more and more that you really long for very little but that. All of your other longings, all of your other desires have always been echoes of this one thing. To know Him. To be in His presence. David prayed in Psalm 63, Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And when David wrote that, he actually literally was in a dry and weary land where there was no water. He was in the wilderness as the king because he was fleeing Jerusalem because his son Absalom had taken the throne. And yet at his lowest moment, when I'm sure he is hot and tired and hungry and thirsty, when he's experienced this incredible defeat, he has to be grieving over the loss of his son who's taken his throne. What does he pray? Does he pray, God, restore me to the throne? Protect me? Guide me? Does he even pray, God, <laughs> give me my daily bread? No. He prays, God, I need you earnestly, passionately. I need you. I seek you so approach him with reverence approach him with expectancy and approach him with submission like as you open the bible if you really want your life rocked can i just tell you this is the way that your life will be changed like i promise this if you open the bible to hear from god and the first thing out of your lips is, God, I don't know what you're going to say here. I don't know what you're calling me to do. I don't know what your question is, but I want you to know 
My answer to you is yes. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, my answer is yes. Like as you open the Word of God, begin with a preemptive yes. And I'll just promise you, if you come to God's Word like that, the Spirit of God who inspired the writing of the Bible, and we got this perfect, inerrant Word of God, the Spirit who inspired that book will illuminate those words and your life will be changed. As Tim Hawks at Hill Country Austin always used to say, anyone who comes face to face with Jesus Christ with a willing heart will have his life changed. Guys, I promise you, that's true. It's absolutely true. Your life will be changed. It's happened to me. It's happening to me even now as I open the Bible and read God's Word. Psalm 25, 14 says this, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. And He makes known to them His covenant. The word friendship there in the Hebrew is interesting because everywhere else it's translated, it means secret or counsel. Like it's translated here in the ESV because I'm sure the translators of this great translation were probably thinking, well, I know it means secret counsel, but who do you share your secret counsel with? Your friends? Your trusted advisors? Those who come with a preemptive yes? I mean, those are the people who are friends of God because they fear Him. The secret counsel of the Lord is with those who fear Him. The NIV translates it this way, the Lord confides in those who fear Him. I mean, if you're going to tell someone a secret, you tell somebody that you can trust. Who's who's a proven track record of being trusted with your secrets. And according to this passage, if we come with a yes to God, if we come with reverence and obedience, He will take us into the deep things of God regarding His covenant. Now part of that as you come with a preemptive yes is coming with confession of sin. Like the elephant in the room. As you pray, God, I want you to speak to me this day in your quiet time. You may feel the tap of the Holy Spirit on your shoulder saying, "Uh, I spoke to you yesterday and you still haven't done anything. I spoke to you about the same thing the day before and the day before that and the day before that. As you open the words The Word of God, come with a yes and come with confession. And then finally, approach God with humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. When I say humble yourself, I mean pray for wisdom. Pray for illumination. Like if if you're one of these people like myself who say, man, this book is hard to understand. I mean, it was written between 3,000 and 2,000 years ago in three different languages that most of us can't read. It's been translated into English for us, but it's a hard book to understand. Well, we need to approach God with humility and tell Him that and say, God, I I need to understand Your Word. Help me. Give me wisdom. Give me insight. Give me illumination. If any of you lacks wisdom, promises James in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So guys, just pray for God's wisdom because you see, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But you, Christian, have been given the mind of Christ. And so pray for God's wisdom. Pray that God would free you from distractions. That you wouldn't have spiritual ADD. Here's a great prayer from John Piper. Father, hold my mind's attention. Wake my heart's affection. Speak for your glory and for my holy joy. So prepare your heart. And secondly, just quickly, prepare a place. Set a consistent time and place where you'll meet with God. Give God the best part of your day. Seek God first. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus introduces the topic of worry and fear. Like worry is simply a preoccupation with tomorrow and what it holds. And so he keeps asking the question, why do you worry about this? Why do you worry about this? Why do you worry about this? Don't you know that God loves you? Don't you know that God knows what you need? And so God, Jesus, as He introduces this subject of worry, He gives us the solution to worry. And the solution is simply this. Pursue God. Pursue God. Like we, we are living in the reality of worry and fear as we go through this pandemic. And the solution to all of that is pursue God. And so Jesus gets to the point in His lesson where He says this. Okay, here's the solution to worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All the things you're worried about, all the things that consume your heart, all the things your focus is on, instead of focusing on those, instead of building your own kingdom, why don't you focus on my kingdom? In fact, this is what he's saying. You worry about my kingdom and let me worry about your kingdom. You worry about my stuff and let me care for your stuff. And so give God your best. Seek His kingdom first. On your outline, if you flip it over, there is a manifesto. It's the Word before the world manifesto. And it says this, I resolve to put the Word before the world because I believe Jesus Christ is worthy of my first, best, and last moments. He is the main character in this life I live and I have the joy of being His child and disciple as I daily come before the throne of grace. I believe the moments I spend with Jesus are life-changing, perspective-shifting, hope-stirring, and direction-giving. I will preach the Gospel to my heart every day because the gospel is good news my soul needs to be reminded of over and over again because Jesus is better than anything in this life I will pick up my spiritual fork and nourish my soul on the word of truth and when I don't feel like picking up the, my bible and praying I will do it anyway 
because I know that Jesus will meet me in my moment of need. I resolve to do this, not by my own efforts, but by His might and power at work within me. By His grace, I will choose the better portion that will last forever, keeping my eyes glued on Jesus and my heart set on eternity. I resolve to put the Word before the world. Like, can you commit to that for 30 days? Like, that's my commitment for the next 30 days. Because I, like you, are in the bad habit of setting my phone by my bedside and using it as my alarm clock. So that when it goes off, the first thing I see are all those alerts that somehow I feel like I just need to read. I need to know what's going on. And so I check them and I look to them. Like, what is... Social media say, what's the news feed saying? What are the numbers of COVID in our community? Those sort of things consume me and I seek those before I seek God. And I need to stop that. And so it may be that when you get up, you can't give like that whole divided time that you would spend for your quiet time, but you can take a moment and spend some time in prayer and open up the Word of God and read something that will nourish your soul before you feast on what the word has, the world has to say. And I would just encourage you, guys, take some lengthy time before you start looking at what the world has to say and spend it in the Word. And the reality is you may not have time for Facebook. You may not have time for Twitter or for Instagram or for your news feed or for all the other things that you fill your mind up looking at your phone. You may not have time for those and you will be better because of it. And so commit to that for the next 30 days. So first we need to set a consistent time and place and then quickly we need to read and meditate. To read and meditate on the Word of God. To meditate in the Christian sense isn't emptying your mind, but it's filling it with the Word of God. It's the act of focusing one's thoughts. It means to ponder, to think upon, to dwell on something. To be like the psalmist where it says of him, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. So read and pray, and meditate, and upon reflection, ask them questions like, what does this passage say generally? And what does it say to me personally? Ask the question, what does it mean? Before you ask the question, what does it mean for you? Like we need to make our devotions more studious and our study more devotional. Like I've been in too many small group Bible studies where somebody will read a passage and ask the question, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? And I've often sat there thinking, especially as a younger man, I could care less what it means to you. I just want to know what it means. I mean, that's enough. Like what does this actually mean? And so we could ask questions of the Word like this. Like what does this passage tell me about God? His character? His love, His attributes, His promises. And what does this passage tell me about myself? Like my need. Maybe sins I need to confess. Prayers I need to pray. Truths I need to believe and share with others. And what does this tell me that I need to tell others? Is there a word of encouragement in this passage that I need to share? A word of challenge or rebuke that I need to share? A word of witness? 
And so write down your personal insights. Write down the verse in that passage that just kind of jumps off the page to you. Write down your frustrations and your fears. Write down questions you have. Like if you're reading the Bible and you don't understand something, write in the margin, huh? That's okay. And then come back and try to figure out what the answer is or ask someone what the answer is. Like I remember as a young man reading a book of Romans and writing in the margin, I can picture it because it was like at the top right side and I wrote down my deep insight of what I knew that meant until I turned the next page and Paul said, that's not what that meant. And so I turned the page back and I marked it out and I just wrote, nope. You live and learn. You grow. That's okay. That's the way it's supposed to work. Next, respond in obedience. Like as God is teaching you, pray those truths back to Him. Turn them into a prayer because the goal is transformation, not simply information. James says that whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed by what they do. Finally, share what you are learning with someone else. As Paul said, and I mentioned this in my letter, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. And so find a friend, find a group of friends that you can move forward with and that you can be honest with. I so encourage you to do that. So I want us to bow our heads now and commit our year to the Lord. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just in the quietness of your own heart, give this year to the Lord. Dedicate it to Him. Oh Lord, how can anyone stay on the path of purity? By living according to Your Word. I seek You with all my heart. Do not let me stray from Your commands. I have hidden Your Word in my heart that I might not sin against You. Lord Jesus, I dedicate my year to You. I, like my brothers and sisters who right now are taking seriously what they're hearing, I want to put the Word before the world. I want to seek Your face before I seek the answers that our culture offers. And if I have no time for their answers, God, I know that I'll be blessed by seeking Yours and seeking You. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, as we enter into a time of communion, you might have the question, haven't we done this? Didn't we do this every day last month? Um... And the answer would be yes, we did. We had communion every day in uh, December as a kind of a special thing with our Advent series. But the elders uh, have decided, and, I've, and we've decided together, that uh, moving forward as a church, we're going to be doing communion weekly uh, from this point on. And uh, first of all, we want you to understand that's not a statement that we are smarter than other Christians who only do it monthly. Uh, because we've been doing it monthly for a long time. And so uh, it's not a statement that we're better than them or smarter than them. Uh, We simply are making this decision based on the fact that this seems to be 
the practice of the New Testament church. That whenever they gathered together, they broke bread. And so we want to follow the model of the New Testament church. There's not a command in Scripture that we have to do this weekly, but I think it's a great idea to follow the example of those who first began this journey. Uh, Secondly, it's also been the practice of most of the church throughout Christian history. I mean, from the earliest days of the church until this day, uh, believers gather weekly for communion. But the main reason we're doing it is simply this. It's because we need it. Guys, we need it desperately. I mean, if if the last 658 days have not taught you that, I mean, today marks day 658 of 15 days to slow the spread. How's that working for us? Like we're living in a fearful time and we need every week to gather together as a church and remember the victory of Christ on the cross. Like we we are doing this because we need it because this table preaches the gospel every week to us. Like Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood. Paul said, as often as you do this, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. And so we're doing this because it preaches the Gospel to our own hearts. And we're doing this because it provides a tangible reminder that Jesus Christ died for you. Like as you take that bread, as you drink that cup, it should be a reminder that Jesus did this for you specifically. It also causes us to examine ourselves and to confess our sins, maybe for the only time we do it during the week. As we hold that cup in our hands, as we hold that bread, we examine our hearts and we confess our sins. We do this because it's not simply special, but because it's sacred. I mean, Scripture makes it really clear that in some mysterious way, when we come to the table of communion, we are encountering the very presence of Christ. In fact, it was because they denied that reality that they were encountering the presence of Christ that Corinthian believers were judged in how they took communion. I mean, listen to these words as Paul writes to Corinthian church, chapter 10, verse 16. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? I mean, there is deep mystery here and I do not understand it. But Jesus didn't say, (laughs) take and understand. He said, take and eat. I love what C.S. Lewis writes about communion. He says, I don't know and I can't imagine what the disciples understood our Lord to mean when His body still unbroken and His blood still unshed, He handed them the bread and wine saying that they were His body and they were His blood. Yet, I find no difficulty in believing that the veil between the worlds is nowhere else so thin and permeable 
to divine operation. Here, a hand from the hidden country touches not only my soul, but my body. And then in classic C.S. Lewis fashion, he says, here, at this table here, is big medicine and strong magic. I love that. Guys, so we come to this table and we do practice open communion here, which means if you are a follower of Christ, regardless of your age, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're welcome to this table. When the band comes up and they can come now, in this first song, I would ask during the first song that you come up to one of the two stations and get the elements of communion. It's one cup, but it's actually two. The bread and the cup. I'd ask that you get those and you take them back to your seat and we'll take them as a church together. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I I do not understand. I cannot even grasp what it means to come to this sacred moment and get to experience the presence of my Savior in a unique way through communion. Lord, I pray that You would use this now for my brothers and sisters in this room for their spiritual nourishment. Lord Jesus, this is Your body. And this is Your blood. We pray through Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Do this in remembrance of Him. And the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Do this in remembrance of Him. Lord Jesus, thank You that in communion we get to preach the Gospel to our own hearts once again. Be reminded of Your sacrifice and proclaim it until You come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, y'all can be seated. As you leave today in a little bit uh, on the table, outside of that door to that side, there is uh, this book by Dane Ortland. It's called uh, Gentle and Lowly, uh, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. I encourage you to grab a copy of this. It's free. Uh, get a couple per household. That's fine. Uh, they're, they're free until they run out. Excellent book. Uh, you know, and of course today in everything we've been going through, we have a lot of people suffering, a lot of people going through a lot of hard stuff. Uh, talking with a guy this week that uh, told me that just alcohol consumption uh, in our country has increased 60% since the beginning of the pandemic. And if that's something that you're struggling with, that you need help with, I don't know if you know, but we have AA that meets here at the church uh, three nights a week from 7 to 8 on Monday, on Thursday, and on Saturday in the Roots Building right here. And they would love for you to join them and they can offer you some encouragement and help through that struggle. 
Uh, but this is a great book, and I want you all to get it, grab it, and and read it. And as we closed, uh, we do have three elders who uh, are rotating off of the elder council uh, who have served this church uh, faithfully, and we want to honor them. Uh, some of them are here, some are not. They were in the last service. Uh, one is Ron Roth, who's been our chairman, uh, helped in our worship ministry, and done, has done a remarkable job. Uh, Tracy Spellings, who is a small group shepherd and does just about everything in our church, leads and guides so many ministries. And then Ryan Fouts, who also is a small group shepherd and has done just an amazing job in our finance ministry and IT ministry. But beyond the the ministries that these guys uh, oversee, uh, they have made a huge impact. Uh, These were the elders that, by God's grace, carried us through the craziness of COVID. These are the elders who, by God's grace, were able to uh, sell this property and close on our new land. Uh, these are men who I have, uh, guys, deep admiration for uh, because they have blessed me personally. They have wisdom and care, the ability to shepherd. They have encouragement and deep friendship. Everything you would want in an elder, these men exemplify. And I just thought today how sad I am to see them rotating off the elder board. Uh, we won't be meeting uh, at 6 a.m. on Thursdays anymore. They're not sad about that, but I'm sad about that. Uh, in fact, I cried the first two services uh, but I won't cry this service because now it's official. I have hardened my heart against these guys, and I'm good now. And even though I'll miss them, I'm not going to cry. Uh, and if I do, I'll let somebody punch me, and they'll stop. So um, we've been really blessed by these guys, and we love them so much. And uh, I have uh, some gifts for them uh, that uh, we bought uh, because they didn't have enough to read. Uh, We have a copy for each of the elders of Grudem's Systematic Theology, just a remarkable work. If he had only written this his whole life, what an accomplishment it would be. But a great, great resource. But then Grudem also wrote this, Christian Ethics, just an incredible book that deals with every topic you can imagine and offers biblical scriptural insight into that. And then finally, a copy of one of my top ten favorite books of all time, The Cross of Christ by John Stott. If you haven't read this, it is amazing. And so we want to give those to those guys. In fact, I'm going to ask the ones in the service who are here to come forward. Yeah, let's give them a hand. And we want to, we want to pray for them. And, and so let's, let's pray for these guys. And then afterwards, you'll have a chance to show them your love and appreciation. Father, thank you so much for these faithful men. God, I just love them and have been blessed by a friendship with them. Thank you that they really are elders. They're not not yes men. Uh, They're men of character. They're men who love you and love your bride. And they have blessed this church and sacrificed for it. Lord, we're here today by your grace and by their hard work. And so, Lord, as they take a year off from being on the elder council, Lord, I pray you would bless them and guide them. Use them greatly in this body. Use them greatly in their family. Thank you for these faithful men, these faithful dads, these faithful husbands. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.